Friday nights at 9 p.m. It's time to sit back, relax, and play conspiracy bingo with Echoplex Media. We've curated the best conspiracy theorists the internet has to offer and turned it into a live bingo game you can play for free with absolutely no prizes but bragging rights. You won't find a live stream like this anywhere else, and that's probably better for everyone else's mental health. Tune in every Friday at 9 p.m. Pacific at twitch.tv slash echoplexmedia and find our full schedule at echoplexmedia.com. everybody welcome to local love this is our last episode from the san jose studio moving on up to the east bay here uh, i'm joined by fearful jesuit and dan arizona of the paranoid strain orchestra this is super cool because i've uh, spoken with fearful jesuit about uh, his podcast the paranoid strain and this is a little bit of a crossing of the streams here because it's i didn't think i'd ever find somebody with a conspiracy podcast that's also in a local band that's pretty crazy what's yeah, up that's fearful a, that's a weird coincidence yeah that that's that's pretty true it is very true. So, how you guys doing? Oh, we're doing great. Good. Thanks for having us. Yeah. This is the first time we've done in, the mics. This is the first time we've done an in studio thing. Yeah. Well, that's cool. Very first time. Very, very cool. Very cool. We've come out of our shells. <laughs> that's great. I know it's kind of a drive down here. So, thanks for making the trip. Oh yeah, of course. Montana isn't too far away. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, I guess before we get started talking about the 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 rock opera. Uh, Fearful. Can you just tell everybody, remind everybody a little bit about your podcast? Sure. Um, I described the Paranoid Strain. We've been doing the show for about six years now um, as a show a podcast that explains conspiracy theories to normal people. Um, my audience is not conspiracy theorists. My audience is not people who want to get on and tell me about why their conspiracy theory is true. What I'm interested in is... Uh, primarily why people believe weird stuff and the history of that, how it affects our world. And I try and explain that to regular folks who are confused by why people believe so much weird stuff around them. That is uh, explaining to the, the, the normies is actually really hard. It's funny. I'll go to like dinner with my parents and like my, my sister and my husband-in-law and they'll like want to talk about this stuff. And I'll be like, could we just talk about maybe... Like my sister, I'll be like, "Can we talk about how your son's doing? He's not here. He's with the babysitter. Yeah. Can we talk about? Can we talk about other stuff?" You know? yeah. So you weren't at the Olive Garden then? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, mom, mom, didn't you guys just go on a cruise? You got any pictures? You know, the, the shit that I would be like, "Do not show me this." When I was yeah. twenty five, I'm now right. like 
anything but having to tell you about the guy who drinks his own pee. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there are so many people on the internet who drink their own pee. Like yeah, it is right. just a really shocking like, number. Can we of sit people. indoors? The chemtrails outside. Are yeah, exactly. Do, do like chemtrails really, or non-chemtrails? Yeah. Smoking or non-smoking, please. <laughs> so it's like I said, it's kind of it's kind of amazing that I uh, met a person with a conspiracy podcast who's also in a band. Has the did the Paranoid Strain Orchestra come out of the the podcast, or had you two been working on music for a while? So I, I'll I'll let uh, Dan sort of uh, take the thing about the band because the band started before I was in it. Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we had kind of a band going uh, just for any genre of music. We were the classless chaps. We were the narcs. We were the grave throbbers we were los coconuts like grave throbbers is it the last responders to explain those are different names we use when we play different genres different of music. kinds so of gigs classless chaps is classic country los coconuts is uh like 60s surf uh last responders is invariably when we play the alameda fourth of july parade that's always yeah, our name things like that yeah. so you know sort of each each name was a sort of a fun you know send up of the genre uh, so yeah, a little ironic, a little tongue in cheek, but we always took it seriously. So when started his podcast, it just made sense that we. I'll bleep uh, that out. <laughs> Garbage <laughs> fail. Sorry. Uh-huh. Uh, we just we we doxing people left and right here yeah. on Ecoplex right, Media. So I'll, I'll start from the top. So when uh, when Fearful started his his podcast, we of course you know came to the came to the call, you know like like the writers of Rohan. We showed up. <laughs> yeah. So, so the idea was, um, when I started my show, uh, I spent about a year planning the kind of show I wanted to do before I actually did it. So there was a lot of figuring out how to use uh, DAW and like uh, figuring out what I wanted to say and doing the research that I wanted to do and learning how to be reasonably facile with all of the stuff that I needed to use. But then I also reached out to a friend who's known uh, for to the show audience as uh, Willem UFO, who is a longtime artist who does all of the art for my show. I reached out to a friend that all of the listeners know as Danny Unicorn, who agreed to be the sort of um, flavor flave to my Chuck D for all of the, the shows. She usually injects some sort of sanity into whatever I'm saying. And then I reached out to Dan mostly, and then also the rest of the band, essentially because I wanted to have unique music for each episode. And so um, a, a lot of the stuff for the early years that the band did, we would go into a studio um, and then at some point uh, Dan and the, the guys just started doing things uh, like uh, on multiple uh, like four tracks and, and, and producing them uh, uh, as we needed to go. But they're usually kind of ditties about a given topic. Like some of them are more involved. Um, some of them I've had banked for five years and still not gotten to the topics, but a lot of them are just really specific to the uh to the thing that i'm about to cover so i'll tell him like two months in advance all right i'm going to be covering the salem witch trials and he will turn out an incredible pastiche of like the cure in their most gothy period that we can use for those songs and i just use those as the music beds uh you know to take us in and out of segments etc and then i always include them at the end of uh when i each of my shows is like half an hour on a topic, but they all stitch together into one gigantic thing that I release eventually when I finish talking about a topic. And I always include all of the songs at the end of that. Yeah. So, I mean, pretty much 
everything you hear on the on the podcast is going to be you know bespoke or strain the glass it's it's going to be totally unique to what you're listening to like nothing's been recycled it's all original research and original art and original creation uh so i think it's part of the draw of the show and the dulcet tones of dana unicorn of course yeah that was you know again that was like music's a big part of what we do too uh, too. we we have a music show but uh, Mm -hmm. more importantly like uh, for example, on Twitch, when we go live, it's dumb to go live and immediately start talking, right? So yeah, people right. have to get their go live notifications. And other people will just run stuff off Spotify that they really like. Mm-hmm. And people come to my channel and like, I've never heard this song. And I'm mm-hmm. like, that's actually my friend's band. Yeah. And right. at this point, I've got, you know, 17 or 1800 songs. So I'd be, right. I can't say always that it's my friend's band, but yeah. a good enough amount of time I can. And then people end up, you know, getting into the bands and mm-hmm. whatnot. And, uh, that was the one of the things I was like, this is all original music on this podcast when I first heard it. I'm like, yeah. I don't think this guy just found this. Yeah. Like this is too topical. <laughs> and it's obvious actually now it's all you know, a couple couple times in, I'm like, no, that's actually the same band. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's, <laughs> that's definitely the same dudes. Yeah, yeah. 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 We we don't have the luxury of having a million singers, so it, it's it, my voice on much of there's it. There's a lot of Dan. Yeah, yeah. For better or worse. Um, he, he's really I I, I really think that he's gotten I, I think so they, I, I'm gonna toot Dan's horn a little bit now. I've known him for 30 years, and uh, I would say that back in college, he was a reliable font of novelty songs. And I really think that he has become just an amazingly good songwriter in the interim. Yeah. Um, and you know, the, if you want to talk about from there, we you know we have had a couple of like bigger musical projects that we can get into, or you know, well, you know, Lou Reed and. Donald Fagan and Walter Becker started doing novelty songs to get going. Oh, it's it kind of freed you up a little bit, actually, because if you're always writing about love or that breakup or True Blue Moon June, you're going to run out of ideas pretty quickly and become really too derivative. But if you're writing a song, you know, about Nibiru or Paul (laughs) McCartney is dead or like just things that will or like like Russia Gate, all these things will spur new ideas for what kind of genres you can play with. And so you're not really hemmed in uh, by one kind of thing. So, yeah, it's it's very liberating. Well, that's cool. Um, <clears throat> I'd like to maybe get to some of the music from sure. the rock opera. Yeah. What I have queued up here first is uh, Jefferson, if that's fine with the two of you. Oh, sure, yeah, absolutely. Sure. And then we can talk about what the, the project is or whatever yeah, afterwards. Yeah, yeah, I'd like to, yeah, definitely want to, and I want to, you know, like I said, I probably heard this, but I... Uh, it was a long rock, rock opera. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll we'll discuss the. Length. Well, operas are long anyway. Yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah, I've actually never heard a thirty-minute rock opera. I mean, no. yeah, I mean, yeah, that would be a really short. This rock season, rock. the SFO is doing Wagner's Lohengrin. That's like four hours. No one's yeah. seeing that. Yeah, exactly. No, but they are seeing Fawn Red Horse. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll be right back with the Paranoid Strain Orchestra. Pushed up over the edge He thinks that he has no friends He can't rely on The best for the worst He puts his family first Cause they are the reason he thirsts For freedom It'll be okay 
by the Paranoid Strain Orchestra and off, off air, I heard that it's about a, a certain imaginary state. Yeah, yeah. So I think famously going back to about the, the 40s, I want to say, uh, you know, there were some sort of uh, uh, redneck separatists, which is definitely not a new concept to the American dream. Um, whenever, I mean, the Mormons may have been the first, who knows, but uh you know, they started their own state in parts of Northern California and Southeastern Oregon. Uh, some might even say Southwestern Idaho, and they call it Jefferson. Uh, it didn't quite fit into uh, the rock opera that we had planned, but I had this inspiration to sort of sing about it because during the pandemic, I wanted to go somewhere where there weren't a lot of people. So I took a road trip through Jefferson, uh, through Northern California, through, through Shasta, uh, I passed the sign for the Mallor Bird Sanctuary, uh, which made me laugh when I thought of all the dildos that were mailed there <laughs> and the, during the, the standoff. Too. Yeah. And uh, fifty-five gallons. And also parts of uh, uh, you know southwestern Idaho. And uh, I overheard a lot of conversations about how the pandemic was bullshit and da da da. And of course, every single you know uh, road had a a Trump pence. Uh, sign in in the uh, in the front lawn, and I thought to myself, "What have they done for you?" But and at any rate, uh, I just had this good hook for uh, a chorus, and then uh, the song sort of became somewhat uh, "They Might Be Giants" esque in the second verse, where uh, you know a guy who's trying to protect his family uh, ends up uh, being turned upon by his family who have radiation poisoning and become zombies. Uh, then it has kind of like a 70s theme song ending. I mean, if it's going to happen anywhere, it's going to happen up in that, honestly. <laughs> yeah, I know. It, it just made sense. And also, whenever I would go to supermarkets around that time, there'd be like no magazines about like music or about art or diversity or love. And there'd be tons of magazines about preppers. And I think all these grocery store managers just really overloaded their orders for magazines with like guns and ammo and prepping and there was one magazine I'll never forget, which is this guy by himself, and he's he's ripped, and he has tattoos, and he has a big backpack on, and a camouflage hat, and he's turning his, his head over his shoulder at the 
at the nuclear baked city he's leaving behind. He just hiked away from somehow he hiked away from the blast. He's hiking away from the radiation. It's like and a so, John Bircher wet dream. Yes. Yeah, so this one in like there's a little like mushroom cloud in his in his in his eye, you know. And like that's the twinkle in his eye. And I thought that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. So I have to write a song ridiculing this. And the the great thing about the song is the song is absolutely does not have an apocalyptic sound to it. It sounds <laughs> no. like something you'd listen. Sounds like something you'd hear in a movie while the like, oh, two, no. the two like the two protagonists no, maybe they'd be women or whatever the, like hopping in the we'll most, again at the end of Strange Love. Dan's moment. most bizarre songs are the ones that have the most conventional hooks. Like that's a pretty <laughs> consistent uh, uh, scenario. I do feel like. People who are listening to this have no idea what you mean when you say rock opera. So I would like to to just briefly explain the 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 concept, like what what we did within the show. Because I think you know what else you know what else I didn't even do. I didn't even ask you to plug the your upcoming event. Oh like, yeah, we're yeah. We're, so, we're we're all fucked so up. Let me, this is I, all fucked all right, up. So so, so just briefly, <laughs> um, we are live, Dan and me and our four uh, uh, collaborators plus some uh, some additional singers are going to be performing songs from our rock opera, which I'll get to in just a second, which is called Upon a Red Horse. And we're going to be playing them live at the Fireside in Alameda starting at 9 p.m. So Alameda, California. Um, we'd love to see you there. And what's the date on that? We think it's this Friday, the 21st. So um, of t- 2023, in case you're listening to this in the future. So uh, you missed it. Sorry. Yeah, you can't go. Oh, uh, it was a great show. You guys should have <laughs> been there. Yeah, it's the legendary. They, it was, they've written a lot of books about it. You probably Ted Williams' head right was there. It was yeah, great. They, they, they actually they actually turned the <laughs> venue into a museum to, uh, that commemorates your show. <laughs> so so the occasion for this, because mostly this band tends to play cover sets when we play live, because we just like getting together and playing, and then we play stuff in the studio for the show. But um, uh, cut, uh, back in 2020, late 2021, uh, Dan specifically in the band generally came to me with this idea. Uh, they, he, uh, Dan had a sort of idea for a song cycle, uh, that had to do with a person who would be, um, who would come under the influence of conspiracy theories and start out as just sort of a, a guy who had been out of the military. And then he ends up, um, uh, at the events of January 6th and then decides that he actually doesn't want to be part of this and rebels against it. And, decides to actually go home and try to create positive change where he lives. So um, he had this whole series of songs. And so I just kind of wrote a uh, rough uh, script around it. So that it kind of hung together. And that was our first rock opera, which is called 9116. Both of these are available in the podcast feed. So the paranoid strain, just like any other podcast, if you go back through our feed, you'll find two episodes from January of 2022 that we put out called uh, 9116. And uh, it, we're really proud of those. We think they're great. And that's um, a rush shout out. But so, you yeah, know, uh, yeah, we, I, I figured they knew that. Plus, it's 9-11. My, 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 my audience tends to be um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, middle age. So, yeah, they yeah. Probably, <laughs> so they definitely, we're currently they definitely in a man cave. So it feels right. You know? So because that was such a good experience um, and because I've never met a scenario that I couldn't make more complicated, I suggested to the band uh, soon after that first project that we take on another project. And I happen to have read this book um, that's called uh, Pale Horse Rider. It's by Mark Jacobson. And it's an excellent biography of a real guy um, named, whose name is- Mark, if you're listening. Uh, whose name is going to escape me now because I just think of him as Fletcher now. Uh, oh, his name is Milton William Cooper. He was a real conspiracy theorist who started out, uh, he was a, 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 a Vietnam vet, really, 
and he got big in UFO circles, and then he wrote one of the most influential conspiracy theorist books of all time, which is called Behold a Pale Horse. Um, it is a huge, like people pass it around in prisons. It presumes to tell you about the secret way that everything is is run. Um, and then it's he a, eventually- a very, very racist book. Uh, no, so it's not. So it, it is a super anti-Semitic book because it has the protocols of the elders of Zion in it. But one of the things that I think is most interesting about this guy is that uniquely among other conspiracists, he was much less racist. I can't say zero racist, but I can say tremendously less racist. And, and just less for people homophobic. out there, just for people out there, you're talking about Bill Cooper. I'm talking the, about Bill Cooper yeah, right yeah, now because you used was, his full name. Right, and most exactly. people, most people, yeah, Milton William Cooper, Bill Cooper. He was much less racist and less focused on these sort of like. Um, uh, social, uh, like uh, uh, conservative social ideas, like uh, anti-gay stuff and all these things. He he actually doesn't seem to have been particularly anti-gay. He got in trouble, uh, understandably, because he included the entire protocols of Zion in his book. He just reprinted. I mean, the whole you could thing. include that in a cookbook, and then that would turn it into a racist ass cookbook. Of course, of course, <laughs> it would. But this is this is one of the things I've discovered from doing the show. The protocols are such a perfect conspiracy document. That and this is not an excuse for them continuing to reprint it because it's obviously evil and a lie. It's the Mr. But, Potato Head of conspiracy documents. But they can't resist it because it's a perfect story. So a lot of people who are not anti-Semitic in their conspiracy theories will just say, "Well, this is not really about the Jews. This is actually about the Illuminati or the like some other group." But they can't like it's such a perfect encapsulation of the viewpoint they can't get away from it. So that seems to have been the way that Bill Cooper looked at this. But anyway, the point is that the he wrote this incredibly influential book. He had this very influential shortwave show, and his life kind of fell apart. And then at the end, he basically predicted 9/11 like in a mostly coincidental way, but he did essentially predicted in june of 2001 and then he also predicted he would get shot by the cops but that happened because of a sort of trigger happy sheriff and the fact that he started shooting at cops and actually paralyzed one of them so that wasn't all that surprising like, so it's self-fulfilling prophecy right exactly so my idea was to turn to fictionalize this guy's life so we took many liberties with this we changed the name of the guy we changed all kinds of things about it it's actually a completely fictional life uh assembled a full voice cast to act it out as a sort of like failed documentary that is just in, available in audio form because the guy who tried to make the documentary, uh, the documentary failed, but he had all the audio. And then uh, we just told, we retold Bill Cooper's life as this guy named Marvell James Fletcher, um, who is very similar, but different than Bill Cooper. And there us. are 50. 51 original songs and a lot of some of them are background music it's but this is in five acts they're very digestible in like 45 to 50 minute maybe an hour length i was and smart you that you put it out that way too take, i think yeah. serialized in a podcast form <laughs> yeah i think yeah. that it, it especially like because because the concepts that are in there they're concepts that your your paranoid strain audience is mm -hmm. already familiar with right. yeah. and if you want to send people to listen to it if you're like, here's my rock opera, it's, you know, 19 hours long or whatever the fuck. <laughs> yeah. It's four and, like, and a half. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. You're, it's better to be like, here's my rock opera. Here's, you know, here's episode one of it. It's the, it's, you know, 45 minutes and then people might get hooked on it. And now, now the next one comes out, right. then that's a, well, that's a way smarter way to do it than to put it out. Oh, all yeah. Well, thanks. Well, I, I also feel like the acts really stand on their own as separate parts of the story. Cause there's like, there's the second act is really just about his UFO stuff, which was a relatively narrow part of his life, but very important. The third one's really just about the book. Um, the fourth one is really about the radio show. Um, so, 
So there, it divides his life up into these interesting categories. And the songs that the band wrote, I, I wrote a couple, but basically the, this is uh, almost all the songs you'll hear are Dan or the other guys in the band. I think Dan wrote 40 or co-wrote 40 of the songs that are in here. Um, and I just think they're great. And I'm looking forward to playing them live. I am. Absolutely. I wish I, I wish I, I wish circumstances were different and I could be there. Especially, I wish I had moved up. I've moved up to the East Bay last month. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'd, I'd already I'd just already be at the venue waiting yeah. for the show. Yeah. Well, let me tell you, reading Pale Horse Rider by Mark Jacobson is such a great read. But I was going through it, and I couldn't believe how much ground this guy's life had covered. Verifiable, it had covered. It, it wasn't just made up. And there's so many things on each page that just suggested uh, songs mm-hmm. and things that. Would would be good songs, you know. For example, there was one mention of King Jesus, and I thought, oh, we need a good gospel rave up. So, I, <laughs> so we I've have never one. written that yeah. before. So yeah. I took you a know gospel what we have uh, a gospel rave up. rave up song called King rave, Jesus rave up like yeah like, like, disco like, like, or? A, just like no no just sort of like oh, oh, the oh, raise the roof high high raise energy Jesus. gospel number country country style I country you rock like screaming synthesizers and huge no, drums no no yeah. <laughs> that would be that awesome but no think more of the Foggy Bottom Boys okay yeah so I spent you know. So I poured 15 years of wasted Roman Catholicism and CCD <laughs> into that song, you know. So I, yeah, I think the greatest compliment would be you if someone covered it in spit the out church. His ice. What? Yeah, he, this guy laughed so hard he spit out his ice. <laughs> that was a nice spitter right there. I think yeah. I explained this the last time I'm on your show. There is no scenario where I'm not chewing ice if there's ice available. Oh, I apologize. Yeah. I'm really glad I have a knockoff uh, SM58 mics then and not Blue Yetis. Yeah, yeah, you just yeah. hear clunk, yep. clunk, nope. clunk. That's, now, that's if, why if we had I Neumann's off here, the Blue Yeti. totally yeah, different yeah. story. <laughs> you know, but that, yeah. So yeah, the, the book was just so foundational for inspiring everything about it. So, you know, fearful had the the proof of concept just in the idea. And so reading the book really, uh, made it happen because it then, inspired all of us. Yeah. So the, I mean, everything about this thing is, I, and the weird thing is it's actually heavily edited, like, but the, in terms of the original scope of the thing, but like there's 51 songs and the script, uh, the, the words in the script are 18,000 words of, and it's all in the form of like interviews, with people from this fictional version of Bill Cooper's life, all of it's based on the real guy and like quotes from it. I, so I, I rewrote large sections of his book into short little, uh, monologues. And, uh, like I, I tried to keep the production of the spoken stuff interesting also. So for example, when we quote from the book, first of all, I rewrote it into a, a much shorter version, but then also the conceit for that is, that for the documentary, they were using an old cassette version, a pirate audiobook that was made by somebody who had backmasked his voice back in the 90s. So you have the sound of the tape player starting up, and then there's a heavily backmasked version of my voice, like so, so that it's uh, very deep and weird. Yeah. Um, and it, it will, uh, it'll tell, you know, this, this chunk of his theory, and then it'll drop into a song. And I, I, I feel like. I do not feel like any podcast has ever done anything. No, I like was, this. I was, I was when I, I think I started listening right before you started dropping those episodes. I was, it was because I think you had started the um, cue how we got here before. I've been doing cue. That, that's like twenty five, six episodes okay. at this point. I've been doing yeah, it for I, about a year. Yeah, I, 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 I caught, I caught on pretty late. I did yeah. go back to the beginning, like I was told though, because I'm not very <laughs> obedient. But if something's about queuing on, and it's like this is because the, the, the how we got here. You know, the first time we had you on our show, we had you on the Cult and Satanic Panic mm-hmm. show because I thought that was super, super relevant 
and yep. and we I wanted to get you and you were kind of with me. I wanted to get you on soon yeah. because well, well first, I had just done that section. So yeah, yeah and I, so it was like super relevant because we were going over old satanic panic material, and so it was you know it was kind of perfect. And then then the rock opera started, and I I was like, oh, what the fuck is this? And I listened to the first <laughs> one. I'm like, whoa, this is really well done. <laughs> Yeah, yeah it's, we didn't want to waste your time, and yeah, well, you know, thanks. and we, we don't do things by half measures. No. And one last thought about the, the the Mark Jacobson book is that one of the best parts about the book is that the writer himself is not judgmental on Bill Cooper and his life and what he did. He's just giving you the facts. Like he's not trying to puncture every single thing that Cooper said. Like that's not his aim. Well, I mean, you can do that yourself. If exactly. You can. And because so, like some of the things he said are just prima facie ridiculous, but the rock opera that we did was kind of respectful to what Jacobson accomplished in his own work because we didn't want to be just some like liberal snarkily laughing at some guy in his life and all the, the sheeple that believed time. him. It's you been know? a very long time too. I think yeah. to go back into history and do that is like, yeah. it's like hack. It's like yeah, real seriously. hack material. Yeah. Yeah, well, he's he also like, like, like I sort of alluded to earlier, he's a complicated figure. He's negative in many, many ways, but I guarantee you if he had become the Alex Jones, like in terms of that be popularity, better. it would be better. It wouldn't be great, but it would be way better. And it would be a lot less like just sort of, uh, Steroids. uh xenophobic and like he, he was not afraid of immigrants. Like he was eloquent in defending Rodney King, uh, during the, the riots and pointing out like, this is a man who was horrifically beaten. He was an anti-cop guy. He was not an anti-Rodney King guy. So, like, again, super problematic. Beat yeah. his wives. They also beat him. Like, it was, he was a terrible person in a lot of ways. Uh, abandoned his kids. Uh, the, like I said, the anti-Semitic uh, 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 protocol stuff, you can't. But he, he was just, no he was no Art Bell. He's fascinating. No, it, 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 I, I actually I have a real love for Art Bell, who I, I do feel too. like one of the best broadcasters of the 20th century. St yeah. Stunningly good broadcaster. I'm, I plan to do a huge chunk on Art Bell in my next big series, which is going to be broadly about UFOs. If I've ever I think I said this to you, if you ever do chemtrails, you got to have me on. So I did chemtrails <laughs> as episode six. Oh. Um, the problem is that y you've talked to me about this since then. Like chemtrails was much less aggressive when I covered it. And so you've been talking about how the chemtrails people have gotten like all crazy since uh, and, and much more in your face. Than I think that what happened was Q dropped, QAnon dropped, right? Yeah. As like a big cultural phenomenon. Yeah. And maybe, and I think that it didn't really become a big cultural phenomenon until the pandemic. Mm -hmm. um, I, it was bigger maybe than the, than Pizzagate in some ways, but when the pandemic hit and it wasn't just like straight up, like, Oh, everything is like the, the Q bakers or whatever. Mm -hmm. Right. That's not, that's not how it worked. It was like all the concepts started weaving into people's paranoia yeah. about the virus and the chemtrails people, they either got on that, they either got on that ship cause it was, it was, you know, a set in sail or they, they ended up stuck on the chemtrail Island. And yeah. so yeah. that's sort of, and that's, that's, and, and then they faded into obscurity and yeah, they had to up the ante on their rhetoric, but, yeah, yeah. all his poor marooned conspiracy theories. Man, I, I, I just, I, I really, you know, I, you know, you know what kind of conspiracy theorists I like? I like the Bigfoot people and I like the UFO people. If that's all I believe <laughs> they're in. They're both real nice people. They they're probably consistent. have weed yeah. and they're cool. Oh, that's almost, like the Beatles Rolling Stones argument. Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've never done Bigfoot because I don't feel like it's a conspiracy. 
Like a, as as a rule, like I, I think of it as just like people believe this thing's out there. I don't. And they yeah. are trying to find it, but they're not. I mean, I'm sure some of them are, but broadly in the culture, people don't think that Bigfoot people are saying like, and the government and the Jews and right. the Illuminati <laughs> are keeping us from learning about Bigfoot. So I feel like it's well, not really in my image. Biden just declassified a bunch of JFK material. Bigfoot could have been in there. Could have yeah, been Maybe he's redacted. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah, he actually, actually redacted. did it. Yeah. He just, he just stomped on his brain, you know? Yeah. So I want to pull up another one of, one sure. of these songs here. Um, I have Glenn pulled up, but if there's another oh, one, you guys. Great. So yeah. just briefly, I, I'll let him explain like the, the idea of the song, but this uh, is from act two. Um, and the centerpiece of act two is our guy, Marvell James Fletcher giving his big speech, which Cooper really did do for, you can watch it on YouTube um, to the MUFON audience. That's mutual UFO network, sort of the biggest, ufo group he became their rising star the second he gave this uh this very highly conspiratorial speech that was supposedly based on classified stuff he saw while he was in naval intelligence he was actually in naval intelligence that is really true um i do not believe he saw the stuff he claimed he did but he was giving this speech and one of the things they talked about was that there was this plant-based alien who was captured and kept in captivity and studied for several years uh, and then Dan, I I think decide I don't know why he ended up named Glenn. I think that, but anyway, he named the song Glenn, and so like, how the, the guy end up named Glenn? That's actually that a, Glenn the houseplant. Like actually, there's there's a reason for that, um, which is initially it was going to be aliens talking to John Glenn, oh, who was orbiting the that's Earth, true. and so they had this little rapport together. Uh, and then, and fearful really said, no, it can't yeah. be John Glenn. <laughs> so I just stubbornly like, made well, him Glenn, um, which I don't know. I, I always thought Glenn has kind of like a nice little, uh, well, they, they sort of a man in a bathrobe feel to it. That's I don't know. True. Sure. In, in the, think of like uh, William Riker in the bill Cooper, the, his original writing and speeches on this. He claimed that the alien was called EBE, so we renamed him in the lyrics EB Glenn. Yeah, his so, elect e extra biological entity. So, oh yeah, yeah, there's a lot of lot of yeah, a lot of X Files stuff yeah. was well, based on Bill Cooper's UFO stuff. I was gonna get to that. So obviously, a large part of you know Bill Cooper's story, and just of course, I think our childhoods or young adulthoods in general was a complete love for the X Files, one of the greatest shows ever put on. You know, have you ever um, heard the podcast Fox Mulder is a Maniac, where it looks at it through the lens of like whether or not Fox Mulder should be in the FBI or possibly in prison? <laughs> oh, definitely in prison. Almost certainly in prison. Yeah, yeah. yeah he, I mean, the, I mean, he he commits way more crimes than the Smoking Man. Oh, yeah. yeah. Maybe mean, not as extreme, but yeah. certainly way He's more. He's definitely into BDSM. Like we know this from the shows. Uh, Would just mythology. casually be watching porn while you know, his uh, while his. Uh, you've while his never seen was Fox's around. bedroom for a reason, right? Because you know, it, just like the way Dennis is a serial killer in Always Sunny, <laughs> so there, there's nice little. Uh, I think Fox you know, predates uh, Dennis, but um, yeah. So there's a lot of uh, X Files happening in Glenn uh, for sure, and but there's also a lot of Spielberg. So I particularly ET, of course, once the uh, the fearsome. Uh, armed men from the government arrive and start wearing the like the hazmat suits and walking through all the tunnels, um, and they're and they're having this conversation with with the extraterrestrial. Uh, so it's just kind of Trying fun to, to have them, them be their friend. Yeah, and so the whole all the verses are a dialogue yeah. with with the aliens. So I thought that that was kind of fun. And there's another song in the pot in the rock opera called uh, Tech for Flesh, where it's uh, it's literally the meeting between the alien. 
uh, Supreme Emperor and and uh, and uh, and Eisenhower and their secret uh, meeting. I think around like Palm Springs at some yeah. point. Like the there's some story. Yeah, like there's some story where uh, <laughs> uh, Ike had to get a um, a filling replaced or something like that. But he was secretly meeting with uh, the aliens and striking this bargain uh, tech for flesh, obviously, um, which we all know happened. And so, so definitely. So, definitely like, there are two alien dialogue songs, and then there's one that our bass player Turd Ferguson wrote called "Mothership." Yeah. Also gets that Close Encounters Spielberg vibe yeah. going on. So, yeah, and Foo Fighter, which yeah. our uh, our lead guitar player Moisty wrote, which is a fun sort of like Chicago meets. Prague meets uh, uh, a UFO song, kind of song. Anyway, so right on. This is uh, Glenn by Paranoid Strain Orchestra, and we'll be we'll be back to probably I don't know maybe talk more about the X Files. <laughs>
Very nice. I now want to be friends with Glenn, too. <laughs> He's a good dude. He's a nice guy. Again, everybody, I'm here with the Paranoid Strain Orchestra. We're checking out some of the uh, music from their rock opera. Yeah. Uh, I've been pretty impressed with the music. I like that it's that it's certainly all very happy, which is kind of <laughs> Some funny. of it is, yeah. Well, yeah, a lot of it is. Um, I, I think we have one that's in your playlist that's... Uh, that's written by um, Turd Ferguson, our bass player. Everyone I should explain in involved with the show has a pseudonym because I find that people who are fans of conspiracy theories tend to be a little touchy. And I mm-hmm. uh, have a wife and kids, and I don't want them to know who I am. So we, <laughs> so therefore, I am referred to exclusively as Fearful Jesuit, except for when Dan said my real name earlier in this, which kindly well, I'll be, I'll be is going out. to get bleeped out. But I His do real name is Gerfinelux. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, so anyway, uh, so yeah, it's also kind of fun just to be anonymous. So I've got a, a fan group on Facebook and everything, and nobody knows what my actual name is because I'm fearful Jesuit for everybody. Um, uh, but yeah, so there, there was a song written by Turd Ferguson. He chose that name. Uh, that is <laughs> a very aggressive. I would say it's like a, sort of slice of Pixies. Uh, sort of 90s uh i don't know it's kind of a kind of a wall of uh of sound that i really enjoy that we ended up using as the introduction for marvel james fletcher's radio show to sort of distinguish it from the country gospel stuff that was typically on the uh on the shortwave at the time Mm -hmm. and so that that one's one of the ones that we that we have available. this is the best song that that husker do never recorded yeah yeah, it's, it could yeah. have been on Warehouse, yeah, but it wasn't. Definitely, you know. Uh, but instead, it was recorded by the Breeders. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah, yeah. Well, what's the name of that one? That one's called. Uh, well, you've got the it's name. Called Ooze. Five we Minutes actually, to Midnight. We renamed it Five Minutes to Midnight, but its working title was Ooze, so that's what you have it as. Uh, yeah. If you want. Five Minutes to Midnight is the uh, is the fictional name of the show that uh, Bill Cooper, sorry Milton Fletcher, is uh, doing in the in the rock opera. So it's a little intertextual. Well, let's let's let that run. Let's yeah, that run. that's a nice short one. It's a good screamer. Yeah, good screamer. Very nice. Not so much no depression, but depression. <laughs> I 
That was five minutes to midnight by Paranoid Strain Orchestra. That was that was great. That was a little different than the other stuff. I, you, you were you were right. It was a yeah, little, it's a little well, quicker. If you listen, so so you know, different acts, like I said, sound really different. There's a lot of songs in the first act that are essentially background to interviews about his life. So he was in Vietnam. So Dan cranked out a. Uh, like a Creedence song that is so close to being a Creedence song, you would think it was a Creedence <laughs> song, except technically it's not. Yeah. Um, but man, is it a Creedence I song? I don't know how Fogarty did it. Yeah. He, uh, he, uh, and then we've got, you know, uh, one that's, uh, re- like a combination conspiracy theory song and throwback to like a beach blanket bingo. Um, you know, we, we've got a lot of sort of like sixties period stuff, but then we've got a, a, a lot of sort of completely different things. There's a, uh, that that uh, image that you have that's in the screen right now, um, that's sort of a funny story. He One of his claims to fame during the UFO period was he had a completely novel theory about how JFK got killed. This is the real Bill Cooper. And was it his the glasses theory, man and not the smoking man? No, his theory was, <laughs> look, look at that image, that the driver of the limo turned around and shot JFK and no one noticed. <laughs> that was his actual theory, and he sold grainy copies of the Zapruder film that supposedly proved this. Now, if you actually look at what he's talking about, it's clearly the glint that he's talking about seeing is just the pomade of the other driver, like the other guy in the front seat. Like, But uh, the, this was so inspirational that our lead guitarist wrote what I can only describe as like a ween meets Zappa song. And Devo. Uh, and Devo uh, called Shellfish Toxin Pellet Gun, which he claimed that the CIA... <laughs> gave this guy a shellfish toxin pellet gun that not only injected into uh, the president's brain, but if it hadn't blown it up, would have poisoned him anyway. So he would definitely have died. Yeah. Um, I, I should probably mention at this point that there's another element of this rock opera, which is there's a couple of friends of mine who do sort of absurdist <laughs> comedy sketches uh, that it, if you familiar with fire sign theater from the seventies, like really weird, surreal sort of Michael stuff. Michael McKean, Harry um, Shearer. And they're called the Chads, and their periodically updated podcast is called Stupid Land. They have been a part of my show for years, but I actually had them do specific skits in this show rather than just appear as themselves, their their characters as the Chads. So I had what one of the things I did was um, after I had Fletcher describe this ridiculous scenario for JFK, I had them act out being the CIA handler who would t- tell the driver that this was the plan that he was going to shoot the president <laughs> from the front seat as if it was real, because this is one of my favorite things to do with conspiracy theorists. Just take them at their word and then dramatize them and see what it sounds like. Cause they all sound stupid. If you <laughs> actually try to make them into a dialogue that human beings would have. Right. So, and, and then it also led to, if anybody uh, checks it out, act two has this remarkable image from William, William UFO of a smiling uh, limo driver uh, turning around and firing this very odd looking but the joke's kind of like yeah. um, Chad too is the assassin and he's been training with this rifle to shoot the president from a, a far away distance maybe, like Oswald maybe even did. a grassy yeah. knoll yeah, exactly. um, and the guy is like no 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 you're going to shoot him <laughs> with this shellfish toxic pellet gun while you're driving the car <laughs> it's and a much like, better plan no so one's going to notice after <laughs> all this training we're just i'm now gonna, gonna do, gonna this, do this and no one's gonna see me do it yeah they also put various shellfish sounding uh like lobster sound effects for whatever the gun is being <laughs> yeah, used which so, also make me laugh so like one of the inspirations for this for this rock opera 
was yeah there's a great uh three album concept album by Stephen Merritt of the Magnetic Fields called 69 Love Songs and the cons- back, back and, in like 2000 yeah about 20 years ago and the conceit was that every song is about love and every song is in a different style and there are 69 of them uh and so that was kind of the challenge for us is to keep things novel we'll Completely do o- almost styles, every yeah. song in a different genre yeah. uh, of music so it's fun for us especially for the listener uh and yeah so that, guessing. that's and, part and, of the and fun a bit, and, and a bit of a challenge and yeah exactly sure and that, but that's, it's also that's, it's we also liberating do this because it's fun yeah. for us you know like I mean, creating things is fun yes it is yes yeah it is. like instead of playing like a rock guitar like that last song i'll i'll strum a ukulele and yodel you know who knows what comes out yeah probably crap <laughs> i mean yodeling is hard actually i don't it I don't, is i don't know oh, I, I, we can't yodel I, I, yeah. he's he's putting he's putting oh, my uh, my yelling days are behind me. If he's if, writing checks his ass can't catch he cannot if anyone's <laughs> listening to this you donate a thousand dollars to my project and i will uh, i will yodel right in the middle of our most popular podcast sure. uh, next yeah. wednesday that's a solid deal brought to that's you by swiss miss yeah i'll even i'll try to yodel your fucking name <laughs> <laughs> like i'm not even gonna do it no it costs a thousand dollars i got this uh are we done before we play this uh this last song yeah, here uh, what's uh, up with are we done okay are we done? Um, I am taking credit for Are We Done, mostly because uh, Dan has a habit of writing songs based on the fact that I am the exasperated person who's trying to keep us on track at practices. Um, and I believe I was suggesting that we should shut everything down because we practice at my house. And even though I have a very heavily soundproofed garage, I still want us to stop practice before my neighbors start a petition to get me moved out of the neighborhood. So um, I believe that i said are we done at some point which caused dan to Actually, start singing a riff the drummer said it oh it was it was our drummer yeah. but anyway they, they they this does happen often when i tell people to stop playing how's that soundproofed something. garage treat you during the august uh oh, yeah, oh God, it's Woo. so it's so hot it's yes. so there is no ventilation because you can't have ventilation because the sound would get out right so yeah. it is completely unventilated and there are six burly men in this and music equipment. never has yeah, the term shit hot rock and yeah. so literally we turn defined. off the lights and everything to try and save some but it is it is an easy 40 degree drop when we walk outside into yeah. the bay you know the close bay area uh weather but anyway so are we done went from i don't even know why we were recording this song to one of my favorites uh as dan like worked on it and turned it into something yeah I, I so it's great one thing that i like to do um that's not always appreciated by the everyone else in the band <laughs> Is do this sort of like a Dadaist automatic writing. If something just like keys off a song, I'll just start singing it and playing chords under it immediately. And sometimes it works. A lot of times it doesn't. It's really the time. This we time it actually to. worked. And speaking of uh, hot solos, this one has by the hottest solo, yeah, the whole rock opera, a good solo, and then all of us doing a drunken bar yeah. sing along for the chorus. Also. Our lead player's name is Moisty. Yeah, and this <laughs> and, and this solo is steamy. All right, well, this is uh, Are We Done by the Paranoid Strain Orchestra, and we'll be right back. Are we done? Are we done?
that was that was great. That was I did like the sing along. I was yeah. expecting that, that I was expecting like that song song tug tub thumper like i get knocked down but that's that's what didn't happen oh, actually well, no, he, he, uh, chumba greatest hits i will say i will album. say this about dan regularly when song. he's introducing new songs to the band i think what in the fuck is happening here i don't get any of this and why are there so many sections of it and then by the time we finish it nearly all the time i'm like yeah i get it okay and it's that, only that three minutes sense. long actually yeah exactly <laughs> Yeah. Well, they're never that long, but when you're learning them and he's just presenting them to you, is like, and then there's this part, and then there's this part. You're like, why is there not just one? It's part? like Bob Pollard disease. I'm I'm sure that there's like, come on, man, stop. Like exactly. I just I just learned yesterday's twenty songs. Yeah. Why exactly. are there more? Yeah, it's kind of a glut sometimes. You can't help it. Uh, this is <clears throat> this is this is definitely uh, one of my favorite interviews I've ever done. This is pretty cool. I also like that when you guys talk the the the. the glasses man pulsates a little bit it's totally cute it's totally <laughs> yeah cute. No, oh, oh you see him too yeah. <laughs> dan just sees him in his uh, in his vision all the time now it's uh ever since nom oh know. yeah all the time yeah so <clears throat> what's next for this like the paranoid strain orchestra okay. musically it's a really so, good question so the so the first thing is we're going back to being a cover band because that's a lot of fun for us to get together with our friends and just you play, to, play shows out you get paid for that I, it, it's it, honestly it's more that we just like hanging out with friends and learning songs Buys me time to write more we, we don't we don't make that much money off of this as, as a side gig but i am uh i am actually going to over the next few months put together a presentation because that's kind of what I did for this one to the band. And I'm going to convince them all at gunpoint, if necessary, that we're going to do a different rock opera, probably in a year plus from now that we'll start thinking about. Um, that's going to be very loosely oriented around something having to do with the concept of UFOs or aliens. The next segment of my show so that, as you alluded, the the current series, which is wrapping up, I think I should have three or four more episodes left, is uh, called QAnon, How We Got Here. The next one, since it's about aliens and UFOs, etc., I think I'm calling Unidentified. And I'm just going to try and talk about like how humans have thought about alien presences and it's going to go really far afield. I plan to talk about like Art Bell for a long time. I plan to talk about like cosmic horror. I plan to talk about David Icke, that motherfucker oh, um, David I plan Icke. for a long time. I plan to talk a lot about David Icke because he is, uh, he is quietly one of the worst people in the world and really like just backs every worst possible thing. And he's just a fucking asshole. Um, and he's got a lot of books that I can make fun of. So uh, th th this is going to be a long one. I probably, this series is probably going to be a year and a half, two years when I think about the podcast. So sometime in that period, we'll come out with a new thing and I don't even know what the structure of it's going to be, but I guarantee you it'll be very different than this one. And hopefully it'll be a challenge for all of us and we'll have a brace of new songs and it'll be super fun. Yeah. It'll be the rock for opera. We'll, we'll see. <laughs> see. Well, you got some time to think about it now. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. What do they call this? The pre-contemplation phase. Exactly. This yeah. is the, uh, yeah. Yeah, ideation. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah, that's, that's great. And I mean, I'm I'm looking forward to the alien stuff because, like, not like like I was saying before, like the alien stuff can, is can generally be a little more fun until you get into like David Icke exactly. stuff, where the yeah. aliens are like like basically uh, just Jews. No, mostly yeah. <laughs> mostly no one's dying over this shit except yeah. when they start targeting real life people and claiming they're lizard people, which is basically code for Jews. Right, but uh, most of the time it's 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 not that and it's it's like a lot more fun yeah and i agree <clears throat> like for we do a conspiracy bingo uh, on this show on fridays yeah. and <clears throat> every other month or so we'll kind of switch it up we'll be like well we're gonna do flat earth friday this time or mm -hmm. we'll do 
UFOs and UAPs and aliens because like otherwise it just it's just it's just you're just terrorizing people every Friday night and so you gotta yeah. you gotta mix it up I'm I'm working on cryptid night but it's really hard because the cryptid stuff there's not a lot of independent creators and if there are yeah. it's just like a round table of four dudes like talking right. about Bigfoot and that's like <laughs> and it's like I, you know I want like semi-produced kind of crappy documentary yeah. style stuff yeah. that's the most fun and there's not a lot of that about Bigfoot it's yeah. either four dudes talking on a zoom call or like from the history channel who will sue me yeah so there's a comedy podcast, but they all talking about their dick. We, which is you weird. and I can talk about it off air. But they covered some sort of show that's like hillbilly Bigfoot investigators. That is like a real series or something, and is it this like sounds the, like, like ghost hunt- hunters. It's, it's way lower budget than that. It's like a Blair like Witch like headlamp in the dumber, forest, where they just kind of set up these obvious scenarios and then stumble upon them. Is the way these guys were describing it. Yeah. So maybe that would be useful for you. I'll, I'll try yeah, and remember yeah. what that is. And yeah, if you can just zap it to me or whatever, because I yeah. do want to. I do want to do cryptids, but it's yeah. one of the harder ones to do because sure. you still, you know, <clears throat> you don't want to really lean too much on making fun of the cryptid people so much. You know, you that's it's like a you know, like just like when we do uh, the UFO one, we don't lean too hard on making fun of the yeah, UFO nobody's, people. Nobody's yeah ruining people's lives with. I mean, this, except you like know, you know, maybe we'll, their we'll, own. We'll go yeah. after like that Linda Moulton Howe lady, but mostly because she's a grifter, not because necessarily because sure, the subject sure. matter. She was also a very frequent Art Bell guest uh, back was. in the day. Yeah, she was. Yeah. She was, and uh, just a big shout out to Art Bell. Um, the people who replaced him are uh, not very good replacements for Art George Bell. George Norrie is just a disappointment on every level. Just big like, culture, no, big culture war shit. Like leaning way more. Oh, I more. didn't even know that. I, I I stopped listening to him immediately because he just couldn't fill the shoes. Like there was no point. Well, in- I mean, <clears throat> neither of us could either. But like no. you could, you could still be like not as good a broadcaster and try to still do keep the spirit of the show sure. in the same way yeah, yeah, the genius of art bell i've always said was that he is the world's most uh credulous human being if you were talking to him he was gonna go along with your bullshit he's a good listener. and ride it wherever it went and he didn't like he he would have two completely conflicting views on the day after that and you would think that he agreed with both of them just because he was interested in talking to people about weird shit also, yeah. like, once again, like, we're not trying to just poke fun and laugh at all these people that believe these things, although we do laugh. And we you do, have to. And we yes. do joke. Uh, like, you, like, we say, you like not, my, on my you know, show, we say we're, like, laughing as the world burns. Like, yeah. yeah. Can't help it. You know, it's going to be that cartoon dog in the cafe on fire. But, uh, meme. But, but uh, really what it's about is we don't think that people that believe these things are stupid. Because in order to believe these things, you have to really have a lot of knowledge about these twisted Byzantine inner workings of how it all works. So clearly, Even this person, if it's not true. yeah. But like, so we're always fascinated in why people believe these things, why they continue to believe these things, even to their own detriment or their family's detriment, and that's and that's fascinating. Like when we talk about cults and uh, well, I don't like the word cult so much anymore. I like to talk yeah. about control demand yeah. groups. Yeah. When we talk about that, like. I, one of the things I talk about is it's not that it's this person generally that gets them into it. It's these sets of circumstances yeah. makes them vulnerable to manipulation. I'm currently and, watching the vow about Nexium. Yeah, yeah. And of course that goes to an extreme end. You're like, how did it get this far? Yeah. Well, they show you. Yeah. yeah. And then it's, it's a lot of times, you know, or we talk a lot about Scientology where a lot of times the, the top of that funnel is a, a, a family with some money. Who's one of their kids or whatever got involved the in the secret you know, drug fortune, addiction. the Nexium. Yeah. yeah for example yeah yeah and yeah. it's you know and then <clears throat> you think they they healed you from your drug addiction and now right now, yeah, now you owe them something now they hung the moon yeah and now yeah. you're yeah. now you're a scientologist yeah imagine if you're if you're if your aa sponsor was also your cult leader you know right <laughs> yeah 
that's that's what they do to people. And that's really the only uh, way they have to recruit left. But one of the things that that you know I've been thinking about a lot is how that dynamic can and does play out in conspiracy communities. It's just not as kind of cut and dry and top down. There's no kind yeah. of ivory tower. There's like many leaders and many in this case, many David Miscavige's or many L. Ron Hubbard's out yeah. there that are many Koresh's. Ooh, David Koresh. Uh, it was disappointing. We have two songs made, about him in the rock opera. Disappointing they made him so hot in that, that fucking thing about him. <laughs> <laughs> He's well, well yeah, 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 Taylor I mean, Kitsch, He was really hot towards the end. I, I, yeah. I, I'm, I'm a, I'm a straight man, but man, that is a hot dude. Yeah. 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 yeah that's what I'm saying. I'm like, I feel some kind of way about him. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, but he's, you know, I mean, you know, you want to, he's uh, riding on that Camaro. It's, it's, obviously they just they cast beautiful people whenever yeah. they whenever they can sure except for janet reno she, she stayed ugly well that's that's good that's <laughs> you know. good that's good she uh she, i think she's as big a villain and, as koresh in that Agreed. whole story too yeah it's things are complicated things are complicated Very the government, government shows up with a bunch of tanks and shit all they're doing yep. is escalating the fucking situation everyone's got a job to do <laughs> <laughs> listen to bill hicks's uh recordings from around that oh. period like it's he, he yeah. went down there and had a really like reasonable like why the fuck are they doing this you know yeah yeah that could have just it would have eventually played itself out or whatever exactly. but that that that's that's a whole other hour exactly i want to i want to thank both sure. of you for making the trip down here it's i'm we're in the south corner of south san jose <laughs> uh, it's, it was it's a pleasure it was fun and it, it was, was is nice to nice to meet you in person i i feel like first of all i you 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 process your voice on your show <laughs> I, I really don't like. I, I mean, or, I, I run, I run some basic EQ stuff, and and uh, uh, but it's not, it's not like heavily processed or anything. It's a, huh. it's a, it's a pretty, it's a pretty light treatment. I have a very good microphone, but and yeah. I'll have to listen back to this yeah. too. Maybe it's just the difference between like a I, recorded I it, sound versus my voice sounds very different when you hear it back than than yeah. It's not bouncing off of a exactly. vinyl behind you, et cetera, right. et cetera. Yeah. So no, no. and. Uh, Dan, it was good to meet you too. Likewise, nice to meet you. I and mean, maybe we can all maybe we can all go grab a beer or something when I move up to the East Bay. Sometime. I'd be oh, happy that would be to. great. Yeah, you yeah, know, absolutely. well, we're, we're going to drive home to Area Fifty One, but so, you know, after yeah. this, I but. mean, but you could you could meet me in Alameda where you pretend to live. Oh yeah, yeah absolutely. Exactly. That's your that's your that's your uh, home base. Alameda Fifty One. Yeah, Alameda Fifty One. And, and I'm so pleased we actually saved my favorite song from the entire rock opera for last. Uh, which you know is, what I'm pleased at is that we're only five minutes over time, which is amazing. <laughs> that's, okay, that's awesome. That's, that's fucking just, just amazing. Cut whatever he said most. Of the time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was mostly. Yeah. Uh, I just cut myself out. Fuck it. This, this one's called. <laughs> this one's called "Silent Weapons for Quiet Wars," and uh, I feel yeah. like if you're listening to the actual rock opera, it kind of drops like a bomb. So I, I hope you guys like it. We're playing it live. Come see us at the Fireside Lounge on June 21st at 9 p.m. Uh, it's going to be fun. Yeah, show up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Show, 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 show. And tip your bartender. You should camp out now. I mean, who yeah, knows I mean, if Ticketmaster is going to run out of tickets? Yeah, like, yeah, you know. I'll, I'll, always, tip, always tip your bartender and uh, keep an eye on your keep an eye on your friends while you're out because shit happens while you're out. Absolutely. That's one of the things because we do our shows about local music and the local music yep. scene. And uh, keep an eye on your friends. Absolutely. I want the government to see all the phones they track in the same bar. That's right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Fucking great. Thank you guys so much again. This is this is a lot of fun. And Cheers, uh, if this you. ends up being the last episode of this local love podcast, it seems like the perfect crossing of the streams where oh, it, where you. it leads people into into my other content. By the way, if you listen to this show, please tell us when you show up. <laughs> yep, please do. Then you, you can. I don't know. Maybe I'll send these guys with some local love stickers to maybe hand out at the, awesome. at the show. Absolutely. All right. This has been a uh, local love episode two hundred and fuck. I don't know. Woo! And uh, this has been the Paranoid Strand Orchestra. And this is. Would you say silent weapons for quiet wars? Silent weapons for quiet wars.
the goth DJs and Twitch witches are hanging out on Thursday for the bad VHS rips, unblinking eyes, and fire by night. Thetans and Satans comes from an interest in the cult of Scientology, moral panics, Satanism, and how they set the tone for the extremist social media panics of today. We really earn our weird left Twitch badge with this show, watching the world go red light in reverse every Thursday at 9 p.m. Pacific on twitch.tv slash echoplexmedia. Find our full schedule at echoplexmedia.com.